Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 23, I'll begin this morning with verse, um, let's begin with verse 27. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus turning unto them said, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bear and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. This is speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem uh, 70 years after the crucifixion. Let's read on. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want to preach, maybe from a different standpoint, regarding this text this morning on this subject. Mercy's point of view. Mercy's point of view. Amen. Father, this morning we come needing the help of the Lord. God, in this room there are so many different lives, so many different circumstances. I pray this morning, God, that every individual that desires a touch from the Lord would not leave this place until they have received what they need from you today. I pray for a spirit of understanding and a spirit of obedience, Lord, to be put upon these people. Let us be open today to what you want to do. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated today. If we, you and I would sit and talk for a little while this morning about things that changed history, the list would be a quite a long list of things that impacted our world. I will name a few this morning that I think are revolutionary, things that, that changed our world. Chinese chemists were on a quest for immortality one day, trying to find a fix for longer life. This quest, it's ironic, it ended with the invention of gunpowder. They were looking for a way to extend life. As a result, they found a way to end it pretty quick. The Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. with Constantine resulted in the adoption of the doctrine of the Trinity. That in the Christian movement has impacted our message the discoverer of sugar or white gold, as they called it, also was something that revolutionized Africa and also into North America. Charles Darwin developed a theory as a result of a trip to the Galapagos Islands. This led to the theory of natural selection. The Wright brothers spent 12 seconds in the air, but it was these 12 seconds that transformed travel as you and I know it. If the last 30 years were not evolving enough, 
Technology changes. Computers, you buy one today in five years, you've got an antique. It's archaic. My phone does more than computers did five years ago. You look at all the list of technological advances, things that have revolutionized the way you and I do things. But after looking all over, there was one event that I could not find marking a historical landmark in the secular movement. It altered the course of history. It changed the way things were done. It started with an innocent man who knew no sin and whose lips was no guile. A man who knew what it was like to stand face to face with Satan and overcome him by beginning each statement with, It is written. A man who understood the agony that goes through one's body and mind as he struggled with the will of the Father to the extent that he began to to sweat drops of blood. A man who experienced the ultimate betrayal yet loved him enough to call him his friend. Innocent by all accounts, yet never did he argue or offer a rebuttal to the accusations set before him. Isaiah said he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So opened he not his mouth through pain and sorrow, misunderstanding and tears. His feet followed the path ordained by God, which led him to Golgotha's hill. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, but Jesus was more than just a man. He was man, but his identity transformed that. See, Jesus was God in the flesh. And the key point in Christian theology is the incarnation. In the incarnation, God became man. When God became man, he became what he was not and yet remained what he was. Anything that Jesus did that can be done on, by humans was done on his mother's side. The things he did that humans can't do, he did it on his father's side. You and I have traits from both sides of our family. Your nose may look like your daddy's. Other things may look like so-and-so or this and that. It was the same with Jesus Christ. Things that can be done by humans, he pulled from his mother's side. But the things that can only be done by the supernatural, he pulled from his father's side. Think about it with me. On his mother's side, he was the son of man. On his father's side, he was the son of God. On his mother's side... He was the seed of David. On his father's side, he was the root of David. On his mother's side, he was finite. On his father's side, he was infinite. On his mother's side, he was ordinary. But on his father's side, he was extraordinary. On his mother's side, it's believed that he was about six foot two. But on his father's side, he filled all space. On his mother's side, he got tired. On his father's side, he gave rest. On his mother's side, he walked by the sea. On his father's side, he walked 
on the seat. On his mother's side, he got hungry. On his father's side, he fed 5,000. On his mother's side, he preached the word. On his father's side, he was the word. On his mother's side, he died on a cross. But on his father's side, he raised from the grave. I'm telling you, he was more than just a man. He was God in the flesh. Can we lift our hands this morning? Father, we worship you today. He was the fourth man in the fire. He was the burning bush. He was love. But 2 Corinthians 1 and 3 tells us also that God was the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. With that in mind, we can understand this morning that God was not only the Father of Jesus, but the Father of mercy and comfort. So if Jesus is the Father, we can also acknowledge Him as mercy. So not only was the Son hanging from the cross, not only was Jesus Christ hanging from the cross, but I do not believe that I would be in error this morning making this next statement, but mercy was hanging from that tree. So this morning I pose to you this question. What did mercy see when hanging from that tree? What caught his eye when he was nailed to the cross? What viewpoint did mercy have? I start this morning by telling you the first thing that mercy saw was the accusers. Those that crucified him. Those that, that offered Barabbas instead of Jesus. They wanted someone else other than you. They blamed everything on God. They felt like if they could eliminate this problem in their community, everything was going to be all right. Job's wife kind of fell in this category too. She was an accuser. Why don't you curse God and die and, and let all this trouble pass? The accusers. The accusers. Those people in life that feel like that God is the sole reason for why they're going through so much difficulties. Those people that blame God foolishly. Please understand today, God does not create problems. God creates answers. God will allow things to happen in your life. He will sit back and say, you know what? In the long run, this is going to produce something in them that they're going to need for the next mountain that they're going to have to face. So I'm going to allow this to happen in their life, but I've already got the provision on the way. I've already got something in line to take care of this, but that does not mean that they're not going to have to go through it. But it's in the process that we like to be accusatory. It's human nature. It's not that you're bad. You're human. You're human. 
We all have that nature that wants to begin to point. This is the reason. This is the reason. This is the reason. That, that's what happened at Calvary. The first thing Jesus saw when he's hanging from that cross and he's looking out was all of the people. They were cheering. They felt like they had, had victory. They were the accusers. Then mercy looked over and mercy saw the doubter. Because there was a thief on one side of Jesus that doubted the divinity of Jesus Christ. He doubted his abilities. He doubted whether or not he could do what he said he could do. If you're really who you are, why don't you go ahead and get us out of this mess? Sound familiar? There's been times I went to prayer going, God, if you're as powerful as that word said you are, if you can do what your word said you can do, why am I still in my mess? Why am I still going through what I'm going through? Mercy saw the doubter. It started on Calvary. You see, that person, he wanted out of that so bad, he was fixing to die. I haven't got to that point yet, but I still doubted his divinity. I still, I still doubted whether or not he could do what his word said he could do. Mercy saw the doubter, but then mercy looked over, and mercy saw the seeker. Because there was one that said, you know what? I need help. He didn't have time for a Bible study. He didn't have time for 12 weeks of going through everything. He didn't understand the fullness of the Godhead. And up until this time, I'm not sure he even met Jesus Christ. But all he knew was that if anybody could help him, Jesus could help him. Not only was he looking in the eyes of mankind, he was looking into the eyes of mercy. And I see people all the time that they'll finally come to themselves and say, you know what? Only Jesus, only Jesus. Hear me this morning. Can I tell you the only way you're going to get help is through Jesus Christ. The only way you're going to get out of your problem is through Jesus Christ. You're not going to be able to do it by sheer willpower. You're going to have to have the help of the Holy Ghost in your life that will change you. It will wash you with the blood of the Lamb and set you on a rock. Just as much as Jesus Christ, just as much as mercy saw the seeker, just as much as mercy saw the doubter, just as much as mercy saw the accuser, there was a fourth view from the cross, and it was mercy's view of you. Mercy reached beyond the present. And mercy saw the future. Mercy saw you in your tough times. Mercy saw you when you were a nobody, when you were down in the dumps, when you were at the bottom of the barrel. Mercy still saw you. Mercy looked beyond what the present situation was and said there's going to be a people that needs my mercy, needs my blood, and I'm going to stay here on the cross. That way they could have redemption 2,000 years from now. Hear me today. Don't you think that God doesn't know where you're at? He died for you. He shed his blood for you. And his power is just as real today as it's ever been. He knew you would fall and make mistakes. 
He understood that you would be tempted. He knew the sickness that you would face. He knew there would be times you didn't understand what you were going through. What's so amazing to me is that in spite of seeing all of this, everything he saw, the doubter, the seeker, the accuser, and you and I in our garbage 2,000 years later, Jesus Christ uttered these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These words would become mercy's motto from that moment until judgment. Hear me today. Due to human nature, many times our mess-ups are because we don't really understand what we're doing. If we understood the consequences, the impact that our decisions would be making in our life, I dare say we wouldn't venture out there. I dare say we wouldn't even have to have someone counsel us because we would already know. That's why Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. This, this mantra, this motto was not only for the present but for the future because many times we find our situations a result of human negligence and we don't understand what we're doing. First John 2 and 1 says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This started when he said, Forgive them. Forgive them. Hear me, when you call on the name of Jesus, he immediately shouts back, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. See, you don't understand how mercy sees things. We make our decisions based upon our knowledge and, and th- outside Sources that affect our judgment. We cast judgment on somebody usually from the first time we meet them. We've already sized them up. God, they could have $50 million, but if they walk in looking like a hobo, we think they're broke. Hello? Human perception. But when Jesus was hanging on that cross, his face a crimson mask as the result of the crown of thorns. His vision changed because now he was seeing things through the blood. And mercy doesn't see alcoholics. Mercy sees Sunday school teachers. Mercy doesn't see a drug addict. He sees a choir member. Mercy doesn't see a prostitute. He sees a Bible study teacher. Mercy doesn't see a filthy sinner. He sees a preacher of the gospel. I'm telling you, mercy sees things uh, differently than what we see them. I borrow a phrase from the Apostle Paul, and such were some of you. It's a good thing God did not let our past dictate uh, our duties in the kingdom of God. It's a good thing that we didn't have to fill out a a background check when we came to God. But when you come to God, the blood starts fresh and anew. And you're born into a kingdom of righteousness and holiness. Because mercy sees you differently. Mercy sees you differently. If we were given the eyes of Jesus, our opinions would change rather quickly. We had to see people like Jesus saw him. When he was hanging from that tree, just as much as he saw you, he saw the hobo, he saw the alcoholic, he saw them all, and he said, Father, forgive them all. 
And from that point forward, it would be up to you as to whether or not you responded to the call of God on your life. Can I talk to someone who's running from the call? Not necessarily a call to ministry, but the call of God to join the kingdom of God. It's the greatest thing you can do as an individual is responding to the call of God, that tug on your heart as to whether or not this is what God wants me to do. Can I just help you with this? Some people sometimes ask like, well, I don't know if it's just me or God. Well, I look at it like this. What's it going to hurt? Either way, it's the greatest decision you can make as a human or as a call of God in your life. it'll probably beat what you're doing now with your life. It'll probably trump your past. But you just have to move towards God. See, you, you can't understand mercy because we have a hard time giving mercy. We're human. Even though we've been born again of water and of spirit, we are still in our non glorified state, if you please. We have a hard time fathoming mercy. And if somebody comes up to me and and borrows $50 and never pays me back, the next time they come ask $50, I probably won't give them $50. Hello? And if they keep coming back and keep coming back, but you know what God does? He just keeps giving. Because we'll go mess up and we'll come back and he says, here's my love, here's my mercy, here's my grace. You have a hard time fathoming that. But it comes second nature to God because he is love and he is mercy. And your past will not dictate to his giving of his mercy or his love. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how horrible you've been from last Sunday to now. Your, his mercy and his grace is new every morning. Every time we wake up, every time we come to the house of God, he says, here it is. Here it is. It's yours. Do you want it? Do you want to have my mercy? Do you want to have my grace? Stand with me this morning. God's ready. I don't know what you're going through, sir. I don't know what you've been facing, ma'am. But this morning, you have to understand that God sees you differently. God's mercy this morning sees you totally different than what you're viewing yourself. You're looking at everything you've done wrong. You're looking at your mess-ups, those promises to God that you broke, that you set out, God, from this day forward, I'm going to do this and this and this. And you may have done good for maybe two weeks, maybe a month, six months. And you're beating yourself up over all this stuff. Please hear me this morning. Mercy sees you differently. When he was hanging from that cross... In spite of all that he had to go through. The forgiveness that he issued at the cross. Is still forgiving people today. It's still washing things away. Putting things under the blood of the lamb. Why? Mercy sees things differently. We look on the outside. But God sees that person two years from now winning souls preaching the gospel. You don't know what that person could be in the kingdom of God. You don't know what God has for them if they'll only respond. Heads bowed and eyes closed right now, please. No one looking around. The Holy Ghost is dealing with someone right now. Sir, I'll speak to you first. You know what to do.
you know what God has been dealing with you about. You have allowed decisions that you have made in your life to draw you and pull you away from what you know as truth. There is a longing in your heart to respond and to get right with God. But you're afraid of losing some things. You're afraid, you're afraid of having to break some ties with people that you have developed friendships with. Sir, I tell you today, now is the best time for you to respond to the call of God. Ma'am, I'll speak to you now. You have made some decisions in your life that you are not proud of. You have embarrassed some people. You have, you have hurt some people that were very close to you. And you didn't mean to hurt them, but you just, you, there was a result of, of your decisions. You have been contemplating in your mind, getting right with God. But you have done it many, many times over. And you feel like people will judge you and say that you're, this is just what they normally do. But hear me today. Now is the best time for you to get right with God. Mercy sees you totally different than what you see. Mercy sees you bathed in the blood of the Lamb, living for Him and loving Him with all of your heart. That's what mercy sees. That's what mercy sees. I'm asking this morning from the front to the back. I believe it would be pleasing to God if we all responded this morning to the call of God and all said, God, bathe us once again with your blood and with your love and align our perspective with your perspective. I ask from the front to the back, could you please make uh, a, come to the altar as a, as a unified body, everyone in the building, please, this morning. If you want to respond to what God has today, would you please, if you've got to grab hands with someone next to you, please do it this morning. But the Holy Ghost is speaking to someone's heart today. You have been contemplating over and over again getting right with God. There's never been a better time than this morning to get your heart right with the Lord. Can we lift our hands all across this building today? All across this building, eyes closed, hands raised. Hearts are open to what God is doing today.